Welcome back to the Deeper Dive podcast produced locally in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, as always, joined by Father Larry Swink. Good afternoon, Father. Hey, good afternoon, Bill. And Monsignor Charles Pope. Monsignor, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Great. I hear, uh, hear you're going to be uh, one less priest tomorrow. Yeah, we're sending Father, Father Larry back uh, to... Uh, God's country down there in Southern Maryland. <laughs> the mother county. That's right. Um, That's right. So today we're going to change things up again a little bit and talk about um, maybe uh, the title should be A Crash Course of the Spiritual Life. And as Monsignor pointed out earlier, not necessarily in this order, but Purgation, Illumination, and Unity. Father Larry. Great. So, uh, you know, we were kind of thinking about what are we going to speak about. And, uh, you know, today's first reading uh, in the Mass we have this vocation of um, Moses where he's, he goes by the burning bush and God tells him, you're to go back to Egypt. And, you know, his whole life is flipped upside down. And, uh, and I think, too, with the spiritual life, um, you know, there's sometimes God has to flip us upside down to get us to become holy. And, uh, you know, I, today I was also on the phone with my doctors about, you know, just some of the symptoms that I was having. And is this normal after the surgery? And, you know, it's just expecting this, which I've been looking for. And they're like, well, you're, you're on, you're on course, you know, this seems pretty normal, you know, um, you know, what's happened, what's not happening. And I don't know if a lot of people, uh, sort of look at in their vocation to become holy, which is all of us, what should we be looking for and what should be happening in our life? And, uh, I know we've, we've tried this before, but I think it'd be great since, you know, me and Monsignor Pope are together is to kind of unpack some of this Carmelite spirituality of the three stages of the pure of the spiritual life, which are namely purgation, illumination, and the unitive stage. And, and, you know, you can go back and forth in these stages, but what do they look like? And um, I'll kind of give like a very crass, you know, um, you know, maybe elementary explanation of what that is. And then we're going to hand it over to Monsignor. But, you know, the purgation is basically when we go through a conversion and each namely from sin and through the passions. And we begin to battle against the passions and we fight uh, to get out of them, you know, and uh, usually there's a, a, a huge attachment to uh, venial sin. Uh, mortal sins are starting to die away and it's kind of a brutal battle, you know, and uh, there's this sort of cleansing of our sins because God can't dwell really that powerfully in a sinful soul. So the first thing he has to do is clean us up. You know, anytime you build a house, you first have to do some demolition work. So you got the de demolition part. And then illumination is where you begin to, all right, you clean, you start cleaning out the house a bit. And illumination is where essentially where a soul begins to see God's will for them. You know, why was I put on this earth? And uh, begins to listen to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit, begins to serve God, you know, and uh, becomes more generous. Uh starts living the virtues, starts, you know, caring about other people, not so much concern on the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Um, and then finally, you know, the unit of stage, which I think is probably quite rare for most people uh, prior to their death, is they just become completely <laughs> united to God. Um, I'm sure there have been many saints have done this. There might be some lay people that have listened to this. Maybe maybe they have been. Their, their wills are so united to God that God is the forefront is the foremost of their thoughts and they begin to be very much in union with God at all times, you know, and they might be having terrible 
experiences their life, but they just don't care because they have God, which is all that matters. So Monsignor, I don't know if that was a, a decent, you know, explanation of the three stages, but let's just kind of, I'm going to hand it off to you. And I guess the first question is, let's start with that first stage. What should be, you know, I don't know if you use this method when you're guiding souls, but in the purgative stage, maybe you give a, a more in-depth explanation. And <clears throat> what 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 are things that should be happening in this stage of our spiritual life, and how does it start happening? Yeah, a, a good uh, number of people spend a good part of their life in these <laughs> this first stage of the purgative way. Um, St. Teresa of Avila, as you might recall, had uh, seven mansions uh, inside the castle. Each mansion or room got closer to the king who was at the center. And she devotes three um, of the mansions to the purgative way. Certainly the first priority, even if we don't get it done first, but the first priority is to attack and uh, seek by God's grace to crush mortal sins in our life. <clears throat> then also venial sins, as you say. And then we have a lot of attachments, uh, not just to sins, venial sins and all, but to the things of the world, the trinkets, the distractions, and so on. So to be to be purged of these things. Now, there's kind of active purgation that we can all engage in. Um, you know, you know, like when we fast or we take, we give up something, abstain from something, or take on something. You know, so these are what we may call active purgation. But the honest truth, Father, is that uh, none of us are ever going to do the enough purgation on our own to really treat ourselves. <laughs> uh, you know, it's we're not we're not willing to inflict that much pain on ourselves. <laughs> now it's almost like trying to give yourself an appendectomy. You couldn't do it because. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be in such pain it really has to be done so the passive purifications are the sufferings and so on that come to us that god permits to help purge us of sins as well as attachments and um even when i say attachments not just to like physical things in the world but worldly ways of thinking with worldly mentalities you know uh and so on so there's lots and lots and lots of attachments that we also and God permits certain degrees of suffering and, and purgations and so on to come to us. We call them passive because God permits them, or it could we could also say in some cases causes them so as to purify and purge us. Okay, so that's the first stage. And by the way, I think when I said earlier on, not necessarily in that order. We, we, we do see this roadmap of increasing closeness to God, and we'll, we'll look at that. But it's also true that do we ever really fully fundamentally leave, as long as we're on this earth, uh, the need for any purgation? Okay, I've done all the purgation, now on to the next stage. No, that's always going to be going on, but it's no longer the main preoccupation. And like I, I like what you said, Father Larry, when you, um, Father Swink, when you had, uh, you were speaking about kind of like a roadmap. Uh, kind of uh, the saints have left us who were way ahead of us in in this thing called prayer because first of all they lived before us but also just many, many of them made progress that some of us can only hope to make but all that said we have a um they left us some notes so to speak this is kind of how prayer works this is how we grow in holiness so uh all the saints basically agree on these three fundamental stages and we do begin at the purgative stage. And the purgative stage is also necessary, as you, you pointed out, for us to make progress. I, I, every now and again, I think people underestimate how sin 
clouds our mind and our soul and makes it impossible for us to experience God. Or we even see God sometimes as a threat or someone who's coming to, quote, take away my fun. Um, just read to you a couple quotes from Scripture that sort of show the need for purgation. Um, it says, um, um, for example, um, I'm just by Isaiah 59. Uh, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that uh, he, you know, you you think he can't hear you. See, um, another song, another Proverbs 21 says, if a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Why isn't God answering? Why, you know, so our sins get between us and God. Uh, they block our blessings, so to speak, and um, so on. So uh, these things, uh, if we want to make real progress in prayer, uh, this these first this first stage, the purgative way, mm. is so essential for us. Uh, and it's ongoing, but hopefully it doesn't stay our total preoccupation for all of our spiritual life as we make our journey. Some of us got started earlier. Some of us got started later. But the point is, it's not to stay there forever, but to see if we can also, because God is working these purgations in us, that we begin to move into other stages that we'll be discussing. Right. So uh, that's, uh, that's, that's really helpful. And, uh, you know, Monsieur, you're talking a little bit about this passive purification, you know, that during this purgative stage, um, do you think that many times uh, this is accomplished through God, like you said, sending us some sort of trial or uh, some sort of cross or uh, something that we um, find ourselves like, okay, I need God, like making us poor in spirit? Is that is that sort of something that could happen? Like when you're, you know, someone comes in like, oh my gosh, you know, and it, this happened and um uh, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, there was a guy who came to uh, Sacred Heart and, um, you know, said he had cancer and he's in tears. And, um, you know, we said, what do I need to do, Father? I said, well, the first thing I think you knew is, you know, it's been many years since you've been to church. Let's start with a confession. And, you know, and that it started the whole conversation. And then the guy started doing daily mass and then the guy started, you know, adoration and it just started growing in virtue. But it started with this like, crisis that god permitted in his life to redirect his life towards god is that is that something that happens to many people you think in the purgative thing physical yeah you know one of the yeah one of the psalms says uh, before i was afflicted i strayed but now i keep your word <laughs> so afflictions you know before i was afflicted i strayed easily mm. right? uh but now i keep your word or there's an uh an old gospel song that says um um Oh, the way may not be easy, Lord, but you never said it would be. But if my way gets a little too easy, I tend to stray from thee. So, yes, in these passive purgations, these things that we receive, God either sends us trials or permits that we experience, you know, some sufferings in this world that that come. Um, so is it, is, is it always his, is it just his permissive will or does he not does he not sometimes actively send us certain sufferings? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, like, like, think of a good parent, you know, they will sometimes intentionally inflict suffering on their children. You're going to the doctor and you're going to get a shot. Oh, you're being so nasty. You're so mean. You're scaring me, mommy or daddy, you know, but, you know, 
This is something that they're willfully doing. Or first day of school, I'm scared. I don't want to go. I'm scared. You're going anyway. So good parents will sometimes do that. Other times parents will seek to prevent or, you know, protect us from some some struggle, troubles and struggles. But good parents do a little bit of both. And so it is with God, who at times uh, chooses to afflict us. Um, but uh, sometimes he simply permits it. And sometimes he directly causes it or sends it. Interesting. In this book, I there's a, I, I think you you have this you have one copy I have the other copy you have volume one I have volume two, the three ages of the interior life by mm-hmm. Reginald Lagrange, huh? Yeah, you taught John Paul II. the master. He yeah. is, uh, and it, it I mean I've read both both of these and I'm trying to go through it again and it's just so eye opening and I was reading it a little bit last night about. Uh, conduct to be observed during the purification of the spirit. Like how should we, let's say we're going through this and God sends us some kind of trial and, and, and we're a Catholic and we realize this. And I think it's good news for people that if you've been put up against the ropes, maybe with some kind of issue, you know, it's very interesting that when you're going through suffering, one thing, one thing that happens, you just don't care about like the pleasures of the world that much. You just you, yeah. you you're just trying to get you're trying to ask God for help and you're like questioning all kinds of things. You start doing <laughs> soul searching, uh, all kinds of things happen where you become very much maybe immune from the seductions of the world because you're caught up in this like cross that God has given you. Yeah. And the one the one thing he says here is that that um first off, the spiritual director, if someone's going through this, should treat the person with kindness and and help them, you know, to conform their, their way to the will of God. But the person going through it should accept this trial generously. And I was really mm. take, taken by that um, because I know in my own life, I, I sometimes don't accept sufferings generously. And I just look at it as like, you know, what's, you know, God, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just let me have my fun? And, you know, um, you know, my life has been put on hold and the Lord is like, no, 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 no. It's actually getting better. You just you're just being a little baby about it. But he goes on to say, the this is this is the kicker. He said, the more generously they, that's anyone who goes to this, accept this purification, the quicker it will end. You got anything to say about that? I, I mean, I was like, I was like, you know what? Maybe that's the key to, to healing right there, you know, like just, just accept it. And let let the Lord do His work, right? Uh, yeah, a couple yeah. words to say about mm-hmm. that. Sure, I mean, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I by the way, I'm, I'm in agreement, uh, Father Father Swink. Uh, I I hate suffering. I just can't stand it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there comes a point where we have to allow the Lord to teach us. You know, I I, I find it interesting how many Catholics uh, will you know will sing songs like "Lift High the Cross," you know. We don't mean it. We're just singing a song, man. We don't mean it. And not even just for ourselves, but, you know, it's funny how we want to run from the cross. We're almost embarrassed by it. Like, for example, if somebody comes and says to you, you mean to say that a woman who's been raped needs to bring that child to uh, uh, to birth? Uh, she can't go get an abortion? He says, yeah, that's that's what we mean. Yeah. And said, but what we because we're 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 inimical to suffering, we don't really mean right. lift high the cross. We well, get here, all embarrassed and what? twist ourselves into a pretzel. To well, try to right, explain all, that. All right. Another on that same note, it's like uh, you know, a young man or woman who has same sex attraction. Are you saying that they can't get an intimate relationship with someone of the same gender? Like, yeah, yeah. they got yeah. they got to accept their cross. Yeah. And and I mean, but it's it's just true, like, or let's take another one. Someone who's going through like just 
just chronic pain and they're just, they're going yeah. nuts and you're saying well they can't just take their life like yeah we're saying that we gotta yeah, let, we exactly. gotta let this, let this let this roll mm-hmm. so it, it's just like mm-hmm. and i guess i wonder if if maybe that's the whole point of the purification it's it's really centered around the cross it's right. also about our attitude isn't it oh a hundred percent we have got to get our attitude right you know i i always feel like when i'm really worked up like you were talking about I get angry and indignant at God. How, you know, come on, I'm trying to be your priest and trying to get all this work done for your kingdom. And all I did is all these, I, I'm sick again. I'm more another, you know, this, the bishop this or the pope that and all these hindrances and obstacles, you know, and, and God basically just stares at me. <laughs> when is all this going to end? And he says, you know, basically the answer I get back, you know, I don't hear a voice, but I mean, in my heart is it is none of your business. Right. When all these sufferings will end, I just I want you to know that I'm in charge and I want you to do the work I gave you to do. Mm-hmm. And when you discover some suffering and pain setting in, continue to do the best you can. Um, but, you know, God doesn't see. I think that sometimes, yeah, we've been so accustomed to sort of a consumer society where the customer is always right. And I should have everything I want, the color I want it and the size and shape I want it when I want it exactly, you know, and uh, this is just not how life is. And so much of our suffering first comes from our attitude. And so the goal is to be able to embrace the cross. You know, it doesn't mean you have to really like it, you know, emotionally, but to say there's a purpose for this in my life that God is, sending this and to go before him and say i humbly accept this i ask you if you could please if it be your will take it away or lessen it but lord above all i just ask you give me the strength to carry it and um you know so at the end of the day we have to i think go before god with humility because sometimes when i get angry about suffering as i do from time to time uh i realize how 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 arrogant i'm being you know i think i know better than god and um right so right. so both of you have used the word progress or progression uh at some point in this talking about this stage for those who feel you know you know we're in a kind of a society now where, where all of us have check boxes and you know we're trying to check off uh progress so to speak what is progress in and obviously it differs from person to person but in general if that's possible what is pro what what does progress look like in this stage for, for people going through this, you know, this purgation uh, is what is your progress in growing in, in accepting this look like? Right. I, I would say, and I'll, I'll hand it off to Monsignor afterwards is, you know, looking at all the stuff is you start, you start seeing sin put to death, namely. Um, and that happens when you peacefully embrace whatever, God's putting you through and saying, okay, look, the purpose of my life is not to be happy on earth. It's to get to heaven. And I'm willing to go through the suffering that God is putting me through to get there. Uh, and there's a poverty of spirit that begins to be um, developing in the person where they're not so concerned about, you know, how they come off with other people. You know, uh, they're not too concerned about, you know, uh, whatever, you know, just seeing habits being put to death and sinful habits. And, um, and there is some, like the confessions, you know, like are, there's less words happening because there's fewer things to confess more or less. And you're starting to find, and also being very more perceptive of how we're offending God, I think, you know, and then you just start and God starts purifying you. Um, yeah, Monsignor, go ahead. 
No, I, I think the same. You know, I think if well, I want to say to everybody, because one of the things the devil wants to do is to take away any sense that we are making progress. Sometimes people feel really stuck. But I, I'll bet you, if you've been, and, I, and this is an important if, if you've been trying to live a sacramental life, you've been trying to stay close to prayer um, and the scriptures and that holy fellowship, so to speak, of uh, the church, that um, you, 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 you have made a lot of progress. Um, the devil wants you to forget what it is. I Like over the last two, three weeks, I can't say I'm any different, but over the last six months, well, maybe I don't know, but I'm going to tell you right now, I got serious about my spiritual life beginning around age 24, 25, and I'm in my 60s now. And I'm going to tell you a big change. I am not the man I used to be. I'm not what I want to be, but I'm not what I used to be. I've seen sins put to death. I've seen graces come alive. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 some of my attitudes, sinful attitudes have changed. Um, I, we were talking earlier, I've, 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 I've come to understand suffering a little more and be more accepting of these things, um, more humble. And the obsession with being under, having everything under control, which is just an illusion, because I have all my plans for tomorrow. But guess what? I can't even cause the next beat of my heart. So, you know, the, so all of these are always just, you make this journey with the Lord and he changes the way you see things and the way you think and the way you start to behave changes and your life just becomes very different. I, I learned to live just fine with things I never thought I could live without, um, you know, and uh, I, I, I guess what I'm saying, I got a long way to go. Uh, I'm not what I want to be, but I am not what I used to be. It's been a great change since I've been born uh, in the Lord. So I want to just encourage everybody because sometimes the progress is very subtle. You know, I'm six feet tall and I'm not going to tell you how many pounds overweight, but it's gross. It's just terrible. Uh, but the number is terrible. But but I didn't come out of the womb looking like this. And for that, my mother was, of course, very grateful. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so you know, I, and I got but, this way little by but, little. You know, but Bonsini, you have changed a lot since twenty four. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, so have I. And, I used to, I, but very and, subtly. And, you know? Yeah, in the well, in the Catholic standard, someone drew a picture of me, and, and I had hair, and and uh, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that must have been when I was in my thirties. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> not what, it, not what it used to be, and I'm not what I want to be <clears> in, that, <throat> in that regard. But yeah. anyway, uh. But spiritually, we're growing. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's let's one more kind of one more question, kind of related to that. And I yeah. know again, we're talking um, in, in a general sense because every person's different. But can you do that? Can you do this? And I don't mean without. Uh, I mean when I say when the question can can you should you do this alone? Uh no. Uh, I mean you. Uh, you know, I would say. Yeah, I mean, well, can you? I'm sure it's possible. Uh, but I, I think it's it's easier to have help with a spiritual director or a spiritual friend to kind of guide you who's trained in this type of spirituality. And I, I've had this experience where, um, you know, I was, you know, be going through, you know, I had some some serious crosses and like uh, the spiritual director really said, hey, you know, this is like textbook stuff, you know, and I was like, what are you talking about? This is stupid. And then I went back and read some of this stuff. I'm like, no kidding. You know, this is actually you know, when people say, you know, sometimes God inflicts you, it's a gift. It's like, this actually is maybe a little bit better of a thing than I thought, right? That, that God's trying to do something in me. And, and I think that's the point we want to make here is that um, this is not just like a to-do list. It's God doing the work through us. It's not something you could just like get the manual and start checking the boxes. 
like God does this work in you if you begin to draw close to him. And, and sometimes he treats his friends in very strange ways. You know, <laughs> I mean, gosh, man, you know, it's like, but you look at the lives of the saints. I mean, they had some, I'm reading Padre Pio's life. I mean, every time like, you know, things started to go well, some other, something else happened to the poor guy. I mean, his whole life was just one big mega cross, whether it's from being persecuted from people, his physical sufferings, his not feeling the presence of God, hours in the confessional, not getting a moment, TB, I mean, you name it. I mean, we're, I mean, oh, we always, we focus on stigmata. That was only a part of the problem, you know, but he got to the point where, you know, you got, you know, you got, go ahead, Monsignor. Well, I just wanted to add, not everybody can have a spiritual director for various reasons. It just, they're, yeah. they're not a lot, you know, but, but that said, a good spiritual friend, but even there, the, the, the alone we never want to engage in is apart from the church and her tradition and teaching. So there's an old saying in Latin, centiri cum ecclesia, you know, think with church. Uh, so, you you know, there's a lot of good resources. Of course, we, uh, Father and I are referring to Gargu Lagrange's great treatise. I mean, that's, but, you know, there's some more popular versions of it, like Thomas Dubay, Fire Within. Excellent book. Another but, one is uh, Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin. And it, go sell everything you have. And buy a copy if you don't have one. And that's um fulfillment oh, of all I, desire. Fulfillment yeah, the fulfillment desire. of all desire. So yeah. uh, you just gotta you gotta have it, you gotta read it, and it's a great, great uh help. So if you can't reasonably get together regularly with the spiritual director or you know, the, those are some resources. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing too is you if you're going you know, when you go to confession, if you, you kind of get a sense the priest has some kind of spiritual life, um not all of them do but uh but you know you could ask him father is this normal should i be experiencing this and you know you know you might get the sense that yeah you might that could be another place of getting it so i want to i want to jump into we we spent like 27 minutes on this first stage. let's go to another stage divine illumination so it says here when the heart becomes pure one can see through meditation and contemplation the reality of her inner life or his inner life the world around him or her and God himself. Um, and at this part of the human heart perceives the world no longer distorts and twists everything it sees, hears, touches, and thinks about uh, is illumined by scripture and uh, begins to, you know, really uh, love going to mass and the divine liturgy, but, um, but also begins to see uh, how, you know, what God, what they can do for God, right? They begin to see God's will for them, right? They start, you know, this could be when someone decides to get married or someone decides to, you know, be open to life in their marriage or someone becomes a priest or someone's in the priesthood and really gets it finally and says, you know what, my job is the care of souls and, you know, not just running a building or, or, what, or my mother Teresa, she was illumined when she realized that, you know, I'm called to help the poorest of the poor. And she had that sort of vocation within a vocation, right? So Monsignor, you want to say a few words about illumination and what we should be looking for in our prayer life and, you know, how do we know if we're in that stage and what are some of the the characteristics, shall we say, uh, when it comes to being the uh, the second stage, which is illumination? Yeah, we start to see with the illuminative way, uh, St. Teresa of Avila would start, this would be fourth and fifth mansions. And she notes that prayer begins to change, particularly, you know, as we move from third to fourth mansions, it's quieter. Words become less frequent in images. So we begin to move from something called discursive prayer to contemplative prayer. 
Now, some people use this word contemplation as just another word for prayer. But really, for Teresa and John of the Cross and the Carmelite kind of system here, um, we have a, a distinction between prayer and contemplation. Discursive prayer, you might hear the word discourse, but discursive prayer, or sometimes called meditation, um, it has to do with words, pictures, images, or imagination. This is engaged. Uh, and it, none of this is bad. It's just, it's just one way of communicating. Um, and, uh, but as, as, as we begin to move uh, from the uh, purgative stage to the illuminative, our prayer gets quieter and less words are needed. Think of an older couple. You know, I go to restaurants uh, and occasionally I'll look around, I'll look for a younger couple and they're talk, 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 talk. But you go and you look for an older couple. You know, they've been, they've been married for maybe 35, 40 years and they're just sitting there at the table, not saying much, you know. They're just kind of sitting there because they both know what the other one is thinking. And occasionally say, yeah, I heard that Ethel and Joe are having a little stretch of trouble. Uh, with that crazy son of theirs. Yeah, I heard that too. Mm -hmm. But, they don't, you know, it, it's not, a lot of words aren't necessary anymore because their hearts have merged. And so, <laughs> John, yeah, so John Cardinal. Or maybe, or maybe hardened. Well, that too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Won't do any good to talk because yeah, she ain't going to change and I'm not either. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But using the more positive aspect of this, uh, but, but that said, as we begin to mature in our prayer and begin to move out of the purgative and into the illuminative way, John Cardinal Henry Newman had an expression, um, for ad core loquitur, heart speaks directly to heart. Words are less necessary. There's just the sense of God, his presence, and he with me and I with him, and uh, um, it, it gets quieter. Now, at first... These are very delicate, very short moments where one just feels a very strong, beautiful, immer you know, immersion into the presence of God. And it's very relaxing, very spacious. One feels open and space, almost as though they're being lifted up and uh, upheld by God. And these are what called contemplative prayers, moments in prayer. And if we stay faithful to prayer, these moments get longer and, and uh, become more frequent. Um, and there's often a, a double side to it. So you have those experiences of contemplative prayer, and then it's gone, and you you yearn for it, you long for it again. But there's something, it's, you, you hurt because it's not there, but it's a hurt that hurts so good, if that makes sense. So, for example, uh, one of the common psalms we pray in solemnities is, Oh, God, you are my God, for you I long, for you my soul is thirsting, my body cries out for you like a dry wet land, weary and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. glory. Yeah, your love is better than life. That to have savored these beautiful, the beautiful presence of God in a deep and rich way is the gift of contemplative prayer. It is not a technique. It is only something that God gives, and he gives it when he gives it. But it's something to look for. Um, and that's why you said earlier at the beginning, Good to have a roadmap. So you say, well, right now I'm in the mountains, but in about an hour we're going to be in the valley, you know. And and so you sort of know where you're headed, even if you can't just cause yourself to be there. Uh, and uh, so this is where I think, in in terms of our our, our prayer life uh, and our relationship with God, it gets deeper and richer. Now, just maybe to put one last observation, it also helps even outside of prayer. You become more of a mystic on the move. When I was a young man, I could go for days 
even weeks without ever thinking of God. But now I find, after all these years of praying, and I've been blessed with some experiences with contemplative prayer, that I, I, I almost never... I'm, I'm almost never forgetful of the presence of God. I'm almost always aware of his presence. And that's like a miracle. When I was in my 20s, I would, I could go for long stretches without ever thinking of God. But not so now. And even when I go outside and I see the beauty of creation, I'm just amazed at what God does. I'm always, like you say, a, a wonder and awe and a sense of um, oh, the magnificence of creation and um, what God has done and just always aware and that's a gift. It's a wonderful gift to have. Um, can so I I'm say, grateful. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? So kind of using that that train of thought, Monsignor, is so another way to unpack that is in this illuminative stage, we begin, would you say, to see God in all things a little bit? Yes. We, we start seeing like, um, oh, I wonder what God's trying to tell me in this. So it's like we're connecting life with our prayer and we're saying, oh, all right, this and we start and we stop saying things like, I mean, there is no such thing as we know as coincidence. Yeah. But we begin to connect the dots of what God's trying to do in our lives, which I think is very mm -hmm. difficult. Like I, I, I find, you know, I, I, you know, I, you've, you've lived with me for, you know, three months now. And, you know, like I, I flip flop and I don't know if I should do this and then, you know, like I go back and forth with, you know, <laughs> no, I haven't noticed that. <laughs> well, right. Done. And it's like, but, uh, you know, it's like, we were so as, as humans, we're so like, like yeah. uh, bobbleheads and it's like i think when you become more in the illuminative stage we're able to like okay this is what god wants i do it right, why did we just cool. call this podcast what i learned over the past three months well yeah i mean but i it's just i mean it's just we begin i think we begin to see god's will right uh in our lives i i think it's and, and then, then there's a piece with that right there's a piece that comes with that that's uh, why it's called the illuminative. You know, we start to, God sheds light on things that were formerly in darkness for us. And not just in the prayer moment, but even outside of prayer, the meaning of our life. And as you were talking about, Father Swink, you know, we, we live a, a reflective life. We're connecting the dots. We, 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 we're more aware of what God is probably up to. And even if we're not aware, we know that it's enough that he knows what he's up to. And we're more content with that. And so it's just, we make this, we come to this place where we're less combative against God and his will, and we're more open to allowing life to unfold, and we're more serene. You know, there's some things I can change. Uh, there is there's some things I can't change, and I have wisdom to know the difference. You know, paraphrase right. the old prayer. Right. And that, that we come to that place as a, as a type of spiritual maturity that can only come after having gone through the purgative way and staying faithful to prayer. And this is what this is what happens. This is the normal Christian life. It's that it's, 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 it's the effects of consistent prayer. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Bill, do you have any questions about the lunar stage before we go into the unit? No. Good. OK, so. Um, all right. Last but not least, uh, is we have the union with God, uh, in this. Uh, so finally, the third stage is called in Greek theosis. Uh, and, uh, and so basically, um, we begin to be totally united. Uh, there's an unending growth towards deeper union with God. A beautiful analogy that I've heard to explain this stage of the spiritual life is this a blacksmith, when he holds a piece of iron in the furnace, the iron becomes hot and red. It takes on the properties of fire, yet the iron remains iron. 
Likewise, when the heart is purified for the passions, the life is spent peering in the mysteries of God and the world, and the person grows toward perfect love, he or she is like the iron placed in the furnace, becoming like God, yet remaining human. So it seems like what we're seeing here is that the person uh, is becoming like Christ, right? <clears throat> and um, yeah, this this is this is uh, paramount, right? That uh, we're supposed to become other Christ, huh? And uh, so, I mean, how do you? I mean, that that's a bold statement to say. I mean, I think you know. Uh, if I were to get on a podcast and say, well, I'm in the unit of stage, like, yeah, whatever, you know, and I, I just think it's just kind of, but I mean, have you ever met a person that you think was in the unit of stage? And then what does that look like? Yeah. Um, let me, let me actually maybe Pardon bridge me. and just talk about a couple of saints that, sure. that I know reached this, um, St. Catherine of Siena, um, certainly reached this stage and it was noted that when she would go to mass she went to mass every day and she was in the practice or the habit of receiving communion every day which was very rare in those days and some people even consider well, who does she think she is receiving communion every day she thinks she's some kind of a priest or something and but again uh, Catherine it, it is said that she lived only on the Eucharist uh, for the last part of her life um you know is that an exaggeration or is it really you know I don't, but, Look, you, we'll ask her when we get to heaven. But the point is that um, when she would receive communion, she would go into a kind of an ecstasy. But it wasn't just a, a personal ecstasy. There was something literally physical about it. They, they, they wanted to maybe lock the church or after mass or whatever, and they couldn't get her to move. And she would be in something called ligature. So they could stick pins and she wouldn't feel the pain. They could try to move her, but her body was too firm and rigid to be moved. Um she was kind of just there with God, completely, and her soul was completely enraptured uh, with the presence of God. And eventually she'd come to and leave, you know, go home. But for another example of this is uh, Peter Claver. Um, you know, he's down there, and uh, at some point he was in the chapel, and um, <laughs> and uh, he uh, the, cha the chapel caught on fire, and he's in ecstasy praying. And they try to get him to get out of the chapel, but he can't. They can't get to him. He's in. He's in absolute ecstasy. Once again, ligature. He's literally just locked in with God. And uh, so they find that they can't move him. They can't get him. So they just go ahead and try to put out the fire around him. And eventually, he comes to when they pretty much put out the fire. He goes, "Oh my!" <laughs> I mean, wow. now that's union. That's a. What we start to see um, is in the, in the as the illuminative phase goes on and then goes into the unitive is that these experiences of deep the deep sense of the deep presence of God become longer and more um, difficult to lose. You know, um, the, the person is more and more just their life is merged with Christ and he and God and God and him and her you have the this just there's this amazing coming together of corad core loquitur but in this case uh, the two hearts have become one and they're almost inseparable now the person isn't necessarily all day long in some kind of prophetic state in ligature but nevertheless these these are much more common and very very little disturbs them um this is a hard it's like when saint thomas meditates on the beatitudes he talks about the word beatus in Latin, which refers not to just any kind of a happiness, but a stable, lasting happiness that's not easily shaken or removed. And this is that deeper 
for these 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 virtues and the sense of God's presence and the joy of God and so on are more just so deeply infixed in a person that they're just not all that easily shaken mm. uh, by things. Right. I love that. Kind of like that. watching uh, younger people on their cell phones. <laughs> what yeah, you yeah, you could pick it with you know, prick it with pins. They, they're not moving, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a different kind of ligature. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I mean, it's almost well. That's kind of it's like your world gets you know turned upside down. Like, as I mean, sometimes we can be so immersed in stuff that we don't even re you know, uh, we don't even fo focus on reality, you know. And uh, God's more real than we are. And I remember we had a per there was um, my brother had this professor. Uh, or I'm sorry, a teacher in high school, and um, he um, he was a an army vet. He was a Green Beret in, uh, in Vietnam, uh, and did, you know worked in the foreign missions. I mean, the guy was very well read, and uh, used to be Mister Mister Serby uh, storytelling time. And uh, his classes were stories, but they were just they were always like powerful lessons about life, you know. So people would just sit back and listen to the stories, and it was a class, you know, on life. And uh, I don't know what he was supposed to be teaching, but but anyway, uh, he one of his homework assignments, he said, gentlemen, for homework, I want you to go home. And when you walk through the front door, I want you to notice what's on the floor. What's what's above you? What's the color of the, you know, the wallpaper? What's uh, where's your mom? And uh, it was amazing for all the all the people in the in the class that they just realized that they just walk through life, not noticing what's around them. And I think, too, that we can walk through life not noticing that God's right in front of us. And he's been, call, he's been calling our name and he's like, Hey, give me something to drink. And like, we're, we're, we're busy guzzling down our own stuff and, uh, <laughs> and uh, not answering that call. And so I guess what we're saying here is like, there comes a point that we might begin to always be united to God. And uh, John Paul II, apparently they said when he was praying, you could not, you couldn't budge the guy. Yeah, you could see that in him. Yeah, those pictures. He's just lost in another world. Yeah, it's there's something. Even the picture, like he's not there. He's not. He's not on Earth right now. Right. He's yeah. talking. He's talking to the Father, like Jesus is talking to the Father. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Now, I, by I the way, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I I've ever experienced that. I I would love to. I mean, I've had moments, you know, where I know I've been united to god in prayer i think there's a lot of healing that needs to happen a lot of uh growing up that needs to happen you know to mm -hmm. there. but yeah it, it should be something we long for right to be able to pray at that in that fashion huh indeed and as saint paul says pray always it doesn't mean you're sitting in the chapel all day but it means you're always in aware of god's glory and his presence and his work and what he's done and like you said noticing the wallpaper the where's your mother i mean with all these kinds of things like there's a a movie that came out many years ago now called The Color Purple. I don't necessarily recommend people see it. It's a kind of a, you know, edgy film in the sense that it deals with some, you know, tough, tough situations. But nevertheless, there's a scene towards the end of the movie and the end of the, the book that created the movie where there's two women walking through a field and one has uh, had a very hard life uh, and the other has been, well, let's just say a recent conversion to Jesus. And their the name was Shug and Seely. Now Seely's had a hard life, and Shug has just come to Jesus after a very sinful life. Anyway, so they're walking through the lilacs. There's a field full of lilac flowers are in bloom. So Seely, the, the the one who had a hard life, says to Shug, "I was angry with God 
And um, he was says, you're angry with God. Yeah, I had a hard life. He says, yeah, so you're angry with God. Well, I'll tell you what, I think God gets angry with us when we walk through a field and misses the color purple. Mm-hmm. Misses, what a beautiful gift of God, the color purple. It's one of the God's most beautiful colors. I just love purple. <laughs> but the point is, we walk right past, you know, so many blessings, like you were saying earlier, Father. You know, just right past it. We hardly notice them. And we're all buried up and worried about this or that negative thing. And we walk past the most beautiful, astonishing things and um, miss it entirely. So ideally, as our prayer life deepens and we move out of the purgative and into the illuminative and finally into the unitive way, of, uh, we begin to see that our our experience of life is not just when we're in prayer, but it's our whole experience of life, our spiritual life, because our life becomes spiritual. Uh, it's not like I've got my spiritual life over here and my worldly life over there. It all comes together with God, in God, and through him. And we see all things uh, as of God uh, and his making, um, except, of course, our sins. And so these are the things that I think um, these stages uh, don't just affect our prayer life, but our whole spiritual life. And in, indeed, our life which should be entirely spiritual. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, do you have any Bible quotes that would uh, touch upon the unitive, unitive uh, stage of the spiritual life? Well, uh, St. Paul, for example, says, I live now. No, 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 not I, but Christ lives in me. You know, um, he says, I've come now to see everything else is pure rubbish except to know, uh, say to know, uh, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Or Paul says another thing. He says, this one thing I do, I press on to the high prize marked out for me in Christ Jesus, my Lord, forgetting what's behind and pressing on to what lies ahead, the high prize of, of victory and, and love in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so, I mean, I guess other texts could come to mind, but let those suffice for now. But the idea is that we, you know, Paul could be cantankerous and argumentative. He, there's that humanness to him. But he had met the Lord. He had seen him on the road to Damascus, and he never forgot it. And he had this uh, enormously powerful, you know, relationship with the Lord. Um, and um, you know, he, he could uh, just you know turn on the mystic almost in a moment, even if he was having to deal with all the problems in the churches. But he could just say, "Look," he says, "This one thing I do. It's all about Jesus." All right. Well, Monsignor, thank you. Uh, Bill, do you have any final remarks or anything to add to our little sort of sketch of, I mean, you could go on and on about this. And we thought we'd just do a uh, a little bit of a, an overview of what we should be seeing in our spiritual life. And and like what Monsignor was saying, you know, there's a couple books we would suggest. Uh, I mean, one's very, very lengthy, but, you know, if you really want to dive into maybe a year of spiritual reading <laughs> or maybe less. I mean, it's at the deep end of the pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, th- the three ages of the interior life by uh, father Reginald, Gary Gou Lagrange. And uh, yeah, I'll stick I, the links up on the, on the website. Yeah. And the other one, which is a little bit more compact and I know a lot of people have read it. I've never met. I met one person that didn't like it, but you know, uh, but most people that have read it said it was just really informative. It was a fun read. Um, and it was very eye-opening. It's like having a spiritual director in a book, you know, kind of guiding you on what, what should we be seeing in our spiritual life is the fulfillment all desire by, uh, by Ralph Martin. And we'll put those links online if you want to buy them and uh, read more about this. But, it, you know, the spiritual life is actually an adventure. And, uh, this, and uh, we, we're, we're in this. And uh, there's some things that can happen. 
And uh, next time something happens to you, just say, you know, is this a coincidence or is God trying to, you know, purify my soul that I can be united to him and more illumined in my activities and uh, less worldly and more thinking about what's most important, which is eternal life. So, Monsignor, can we have your blessing, please? All right. Uh, we thank you and praise you, Lord, um, for this reflection on our prayer life, our life with you. And we ask now a rich blessing to come upon all who have listened. And um, we ask that blessing to extend by your grace uh, across time and uh, to all who will hear this in the future. So may the peace and the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come upon you all and remain with you always. Amen.